Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello and welcome to our special election 2023 edition of Pro-Life Primetime News. Today is Friday, November 3rd. I'm Leslie Palma. And I'm Teresa Watson. We're so happy that you've joined us. Tonight, we have four special guests who will help us break down the important elections in their key states. Life is on the line in Virginia and Lieutenant Governor Winsome Earl Sears will join us to talk about the high stakes elections in the Senate and House of Delegates. We've been reporting on the importance of voting no on issue one in Ohio. Tonight, we'll talk to Michaela Clay, an abortion survivor from Ohio, who should help convince you there is no other choice than to vote no. The governor's race in Kentucky comes down to life versus death. Our guest, Sadia Wushner, the executive director of Kentucky Right to Life, will tell us the impact the re-election of incumbent Democrat Andy Bashir could have on Kentucky's protections for the unborn. Abortion without limits seems to be the mantra of New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. Marie Tazy, Executive Director of New Jersey Right to Life, is with us to explain exactly what's at stake in next week's elections. Stay till the end as Priest for Life's National Director, Frank Pavone, explains why every year is an important election year. Please stay tuned. The stakes are high for the unborn in Virginia, where all 140 seats in the General Assembly are on the ballot on Election Day. The outcome will decide not only whether Virginia will be able to provide meaningful protections to babies in the womb, but could serve as a bellwether for how national elections might be decided in 2024. Pro-lifers are hoping to increase their majority in the Virginia House of Delegates and flip the Senate to a pro-life Republican majority. To talk about these important races and how they will impact pro-life policies, we are so honored and excited to have joining us this evening, Lieutenant Governor Winsome Earl Sears. She is a veteran of the U.S. Marine Corps, served as the Vice President of the Virginia State Board of Education, and was the first Black woman in Virginia elected to the state office. Welcome, Governor Sears. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So, Governor, you and Governor Glenn Youngkin have been urging Virginians to vote early in these high-stakes elections. Why is that important to the eventual outcome of these, these races? You know, that's a very good question. And the answer is that, do you know that in 2021, when we ran, there were 500,000 Republicans who voted for us. But in the very next year, the, the congressional races, they sat it out. 500,000 Republicans. Wow. You cannot have um, the Republican uh, message gone uh, through if you do not vote. And so what we've been trying to do is to ensure that we capture those 500,000 voters. And who are they? It's They typically don't vote in presidential races. They don't vote. In, I'm sorry. They vote in presidential races. And then they, they don't vote again until there is a gubernatorial election. And then we don't see them again. We can't have that. Otherwise, we can't do the job that you're trying to get accomplished, which is safe schools, safe neighborhoods, you know, accountable government, transparent government. We can't have that if you don't go and vote. And so we've been pushing absentee ballots as well as early voting. So abortion is legal in Virginia through 26 weeks. If Republican candidates are successful and gain control of both chambers, what would you like to see happen in terms of pro-life legislation? 
So hopefully we'll get the win. So we'll keep uh, the House and we'll win the Senate back. And then we can get through what we're trying to at least ask for is 15 weeks. And 15 weeks is when the baby feels pain. Um, will we? So we're trying to do everything possible to get that through. And again, that's why people have to get to the polls. Well, new statistics from a pro-abortion organization show abortions have increased in Virginia since Roe v. Wade was overturned in 2022, and neighboring states like West Virginia, Tennessee, and Kentucky enacted laws protecting the unborn. First, do you think it's true that abortions have increased? And if so, as a woman of deep faith and a mother, does it hurt you that mothers are coming to your state for abortion? You know, I, I hope it's not true that we've become some abortion mill state. I hope not, because... I believe that the baby in the womb wants to live. And what we've been trying to do in Virginia is to do everything possible to encourage moms to have their babies. You, you know, for example, uh, we have a safe harbor, and I believe this was maybe 20 years ago that we put it in where if you had the baby and, and you didn't think you could care for the baby, bring the baby to a hospital or bring the baby to the police station and we will take care of your baby so that both of you can have life. Um, as we say, we want to love both. We have been trying to put in policies for daycare. We've been trying to put in policies for uh, better work environments and, and better education so that uh, moms can be able to live uh, in, in a good way, you know, uh, with a good income and be able to afford babies. So we've been trying to do everything we can, and we, we, we're hoping that people will make a different choice. Well, we hope so too. And, and Governor, we are so very grateful that you took the time to be with us today. But before you go, can you tell us what your message is to the people in what we call the mushy middle on abortion? Yeah, so explain to me what the mushy middle is. I'm not sure about that. I don't think I've heard people who don't really haven't really decided how they feel about abortion. Oh, well, you know, I would say that um, I believe in life. Uh, I believe, again, the baby wants to live. Um, as Ronald Reagan said, those who are for abortion have already been born. And, you know, here in Virginia, we had a governor who said that you can have almost an abortion, even sort of after the baby is born. And the way, and he's pediatrician, he was a pediatrician, you know, he's a baby doctor, as we like to say. He was the governor and uh, it was Ralph Northam and he got on the radio and explained that what we would do is keep the infant, he called the baby an infant even, keep the infant comfortable until the mother decides what to do. And it's, uh, have you lost your mind, sir? The baby is already here. The baby is breathing on its own. And so we cannot have good government if folks do not come out and vote. You have to vote. God has given us that ability uh, here in America to choose our leaders and to choose them wisely. And remember, when all is said and done, all of us will have to give an account one day of our actions. Well, thank you so much, Governor, for your time and everything you do for the people of Virginia. We'll be praying for a great pro-life victory next week. Thank you, and God bless all of you. Vote. Thank you. Good night. In-person early voting ends at 5 p.m. Saturday. On Tuesday, polls will be open from 6 a.m. until 7 p.m. Absentee ballots must be dropped off by 7 p.m. Tuesday at the General Registrar's Office. 
Mail-in ballots must be postmarked on or before Election Day. These are women killed by abortion. Mothers, daughters, wives. As long as abortion remains legal, it must be regulated. But the pro-choice industry is pushing a dangerous agenda in Ohio. Issue 1 abolishes laws that protect women's lives during an abortion. Do you care about women's health? Then vote no on unregulated abortion. Vote no on Issue 1. The video you just saw was produced by Created Equal, a pro-life organization based in Columbus, Ohio. It's being aired across the state as residents prepare to vote on a ballot amendment that if approved would invent a right to abortion in the state constitution and negate all laws now on the books that protect the unborn and their mothers, including limits on how far into pregnancy an abortion can be performed. What this ad helps amplify is the fact that women die from so-called safe and legal abortion, which you are not likely to hear from the pro-abortion mainstream media. The later into pregnancy an abortion is performed, the more dangerous it becomes for the mother. There's an irrefutable fact. One of the women featured in the ad is Lakeisha Wilson, who died in 2014 at preterm abortion business in Cleveland after undergoing a second trimester abortion. Moms who die are the collateral damage of abortion, but babies in the womb are the intended victims. Our guest, Michaela Clay, a lifelong Ohio resident, survived the abortion meant to kill her, and she has been sharing her very powerful message as she works to defeat issue one in Ohio. Thanks for joining us, Michaela. Thank you, guys. Well, Michaela, can you share your story with our viewers? Yeah, absolutely. I was born at an abortion clinic. I was estimated to have been born at the end of the second trimester, early third trimester, which is between 26 and 27 weeks. Um, I will never know the day that I was born. I will never be able to go out and enjoy a good hike because my lungs were never fully developed or a bonfire. Um, because of the way that I was born, I will have a lot of limitations in my life, but it does not limit my life or the meaning of what life should be. My life is just as important now as it was back then. Um, I don't know what my birth mother was going through or why she made the decisions that she made. But I do know that um, after I failed vacuum aspiration, I was born and I did survive. That's incredible. So why was it important for you to get involved in working to defeat issue one? Well, obviously, number one, because of me, um, I am what we are fighting against. I'm what the media doesn't want people to know happen and exist. Um, we're fighting against issue one for the other 6 million children out there that have already lost their lives and can't fight for the 6 million more that could be lost. What can pro-lifers in Ohio and in the rest of the country do between now and Tuesday to help ensure the defeat of issue one? The best thing that we can do right now is number one, pray. Number two, there's road signs all around us and who we need to reach out to. And that's everybody who has a vote yes for issue one in their front yard. All we have to do is talk to them and let them know how critical it is. No matter what side of the fence that you've ever been on, even the governor of Ohio is stating that this is too radical. Abortion at nine months is just too far. Well, that, that's for sure. So we wanna thank you so much for joining us and for everything you're doing to protect women and babies in Ohio. 
Uh, and we'll be joining you in prayer that everyone who believes in the sanctity of light will vote no on issue one. Absolutely. Thank you. Good night, Michaela. Early voting in Ohio ends at 5 p.m. Eastern Time Sunday. Absentee ballots being sent by mail must be postmarked on Monday, November 6th. For in-person voting, polls are open Tuesday, November 7th from 6.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m., and absentee ballots may be personally delivered to County Board of Election offices throughout the state by 7.30 p.m. Tuesday. Please vote no on issue one. The two men running for governor of Kentucky, incumbent Democrat Andy Bashir and Republican Attorney General Daniel Cameron, are at opposite ends of the political spectrum when it comes to abortion. Bashir was the attorney general before being elected governor four years ago, and he refused to prosecute violations of the state's pro-life laws. As the current attorney general, Cameron defended the state's heartbeat law and the Human Life Protection Act, which was enacted following the overturn of Roe v. Wade. The law protects most babies in the state from abortion. We are joined tonight by Adia Wushner, executive director of Kentucky Right to Life, who will help us get to the core of what's at stake for the unborn in next week's elections. Welcome, Adia. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, Adia, if Governor Bashir were to be reelected, would he have the power to dilute or repeal Kentucky's pro-life protections for the unborn? He wouldn't have the direct power, but I think past experience reveals to us where this governor is and where he is as, has been as governor and where he's been as attorney general. And in the past, as attorney general, he repeatedly failed to defend the laws passed by the majority of the General Assembly whether it was 20 weeks, whether it was heartbeat, uh, as governor, he vetoed the Born Alive Act. So we know from experience um, where he is and his position on abortion. You know, the battle is long from over when it comes to life from right to life and the life of the unborn. We know that at right now in Kentucky, there are no abortions taking place except uh, in the exception for the life of the mother. But in our last court appearance with the attorney general's team, uh, even though the opposition, you know, we, we counted as a victory and that we won, the uh, opposition, uh, Planned Parenthood and the abortion facilities have, you know, sworn to come back. They're looking for a what we would call a Kentucky row so that they could have another case before the Supreme Court of Kentucky and, and go that route. So we're far from over here in Kentucky and we need a governor that's going to stand behind the laws as Attorney General Daniel Cameron has and will protect the unborn here in the and the most vulnerable here in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Well, Bashir's campaign released a commercial showing a woman who became pregnant after being raped by her stepfather, accusing Cameron of not caring about victims of sexual violence. What did you think when you saw that ad? Well, as a as a woman, as a nurse, as a, uh, someone who's worked on legislation as a prior legislator, when it comes to uh, sexual assault and trauma. When I saw that, I thought, you know, this is very uh, unfortunate, unfair to Kentucky women. Kentucky women deserve better. It's not true. And to use and commercialize something as tragic as sexual violence or sexual assault for campaign gain is, is really disgusting, to tell you the truth. And many of the pro-lifers felt the same. Um, it is a tragic event when rape or incest uh, those are situations that impact a woman at the most, at some of the most vulnerable times in their lives. But they do not need to be commercialized in to have campaign gain, because there's there's much more that goes into that discussion than just what you see on the screen. 
No, we agree with you. But a year ago, Kentucky voters rejected a ballot amendment that would have denied any constitutional protections for abortion. That was a surprise from such a pro-life state. What do you think happened there? And are you worried that maybe the same sentiment right, might right, you know, return regarding uh, Bashir to the state house? Well, we are concerned. And, and um, I don't think that the election fully uh, validated what were Kentucky, Kentuckians are on the life issue. Uh, we know that that same ballot initiative the year before in states like Louisiana and Tennessee had full support. In the midst of that campaign, Roe was overturned, and suddenly we saw commercials that they had the money to fund and put out there with misinformation, whether it was on rape and incest, miscarriage, atopic pregnancies, flood the channels. We were being part of that Yes for Life campaign, and, and one of the chairs on that political issues committee um, we worked diligently, you know, when, uh, but what we saw happen was we were outspent almost eight to one, but even being outspent eight to one. And I have since then seen the misinformation. When you have that much funding, that means that the other side, the opposition can not only advertise and campaign to their supporters, but they have the ability to campaign to our supporters. And good pro-life people became very confused. Ballot initiatives are always tricky. I don't, I almost don't recommend them uh, because they're very difficult. And so for the voters, we still have men and women who come to their, our office and say, I'm sorry, I voted wrong. But we came in at 48%. It was not a, even being outspent eight to one. It was not a slam dunk for the pro-abortion and pro-death side here in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. So, uh, a lot of states right now are facing ballot initiatives. I try to, we try to tell them, avoid them if you can, because the amount of money that will come in, not just from your state, but from around the country is astronomical. And why there is so much hatred for, the, for an unborn child that people from around, from Massachusetts, from California, from New York, and individuals, film producers like Steven Spielberg would be willing to pour money into a state to defeat a ballot initiative that has nothing to do with them uh, is heart rendering, but that's the true fact. So that's what happened. We were outspent eight to one, um, but again, with a lot of false and misinformation, Kansas reached out to us right after their vote and said, can you take it off the ballot because you won't be able to stop the lies that will come in. So we did our best to uh, address the lies and the misinformation and like I said, even be, being outspent, you know, seven and a half percent, almost eight to one, we still came in at, you know, 48, very close, very disheartening, very close. But again, I think a reflection that um, for the people of Kentucky, even with misinformation, you know, it was almost 50, you know, 50, 50. Wow. Well, so what message do you have for Kentucky voters who are still undecided about the governor's race? I think you have to look at both candidates and they're, they're, Past tell is evidence of what you know uh, predicates on what they'll do in the in the future. This especially for our pro life voters, pro family voters. You know uh, our message is we love them both, mom and child, and that this governor has a history that he will not defend life. He will go along with the Biden administration and the Democratic platform. That's where his uh, allegiances are. <clears throat> Daniel Cameron has done nothing but walk beside us and defend life. And he's the real deal. When I first met uh, Attorney General Cameron, the first case we ever had together, we were at the U.S. Court of Appeals defending the last bill I passed in the General Assembly and in 2018, and that was live dismemberment. 
and he looked at me, General Cameron looked, um, new elected general, uh, uh, attorney general from the Commonwealth of Kentucky, and he goes, I will fight this all the way to the Supreme Court. And what he was fighting for was to do what the current governor had not done when he was attorney general and defend the law. And Daniel Cameron is a man of his word. We went uh, all the way to the Supreme Court of the United States and we won and he won that. We won that battle. So today we look at the, the every law that is on every pro-life law that is on the books in the Commonwealth of Kentucky is intact and in full force. And, um, you know, I could give you a litany of all the other things that the attorney general had, has on his platform, you know, getting rid of the state income tax and all the reasons why as conservatives we would vote for him. But today our discussion is the issue that's dear to our heart and that's pro-life. And uh, Daniel Cameron as attorney general and as an individual is true to his word and he will be a governor that we can count on. And we, we need our voters to get out to turn out. Turnout is what is going to be critical and don't believe the misinformation the turnout will be critical on November 7th. Well, thank you so much for joining us this evening, Adia, and our prayers are with Kentucky in this important contest. Good night. Thanks, Adia. Thank you. Polls will be open from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Tuesday. Mail-in absentee ballots must be received by 6 p.m. on Election Day. Early voting ends tomorrow. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, a Democrat, is an abortion enthusiast. Since moving into the State House in 2018, he has removed all gestational limits on abortion and provided millions of dollars to Planned Parenthood. But even long before Murphy was in office, the state allowed Medicaid funds to pay for abortion, one of only 17 states to do so. Despite this bleak landscape for the unborn, Democrats in the state are warning voters they are just one election away from an abortion ban, and some observers believe the Republicans could retake control of one or both houses of the state legislature. But some pundits say Republicans are afraid of losing members and have shied away from abortion. To give us some perspective, we'll be joined by Marie Tazy, Executive Director of New Jersey Right to Life. Welcome to the show, Marie. Thank you for having me. So Marie, what's at stake in next week's elections? Is, is there a chance to flip one or both houses to Republican control? Yes, there is a chance. Um, the assembly uh, only needs uh, six seats to flip control and the Senate needs five. Um, in the last election, they did gain some seats. Um, and so we are hoping that this uh, election will also show, you know, that uh, the Republicans can take back control. Um, however, um, we are not really uh, all that enthused by the reaction to the whole abortion issue here in New Jersey um, in this past election uh, cycle because the Democrats are making a huge issue about abortion, lying and claiming that access is at risk. Um, and, you know, instead of addressing it and putting the Democrats on the offense for the extremists that they are, um, they are just shying away from the issue. Uh, the big issue here right now is the parental uh, control, uh, education, the, the teaching um, young children in schools about uh, gender, you know, issues and um, not informing parents uh, when um, a child is confused by their gender. So that is really a huge issue right now. And so the Republicans are really banking on that issue to be the one that takes them over the, the threshold. So do you think there's any truth to the charge that New Jersey Republicans have thrown in the towel on abortion? 
I think some may have, um, not all, um, but clearly I think that Virginia is a great role model and that the Republicans here in New Jersey should be looking at what Virginia is doing. The governor there is doing a wonderful job of putting the uh, Democrats on the um, you know, offense to show that they are the true extremists. You know, a lot of people think New Jersey, you know, is so pro-abortion. Uh, and that, you know, they support, you know, these extreme abortion policies, but that is really not true. We did a poll in April, a Marist poll, that showed that 60% of New Jersey citizens um, support a ban on abortions after the first three months of pregnancy. Um, and although they might consider themselves pro-choice, they do support regulations and they do not support the extreme measures that Murphy and his party have put in place here in New Jersey. 66% would support a ban um, in the last um, trimester of pregnancy. Over 70% support parole notification on abortion. Uh, the majority don't believe that people who are against abortion should pay for it in their health insurance plans. They don't believe that doctors and health care professionals should be forced to um, assist in abortion and provide abortions. And these are all things that uh, Governor Murphy and the Democrats have done either by legislation or um, by regulation. Well, if there's a low voter turnout, is that going to hurt or help the Republican cause? Um, hard to say. Uh, it just depends on how motivated um, pro-life people are to vote. Um, we are encouraging pro-life uh, voters to go out and vote. Um, I have written an op-ed about this to just um, explain the um, all the uh, underhanded tactics and backroom deals that Governor Murphy and the and the Democrats have engaged in to get these extreme bills passed. Um, it's time for a change. We have to hope that um, if Republicans get elected, um, that they will understand that uh, the people of the state do support these common sense restrictions and that they will act. And of course, we will be there prodding and, you know, working to make sure that uh, these measures do get either repealed or that we obviously can pass some um, regulation on abortion to protect babies here in New Jersey and their mothers. So Marie, what message do you have for pro-life voters, especially those who may be tempted to sit out the election? Um, my message would be that it's time for a change. Um, the Democrats have, take, have been in control for over 22 years in the legislature. Um, they have refused to move any pro-life legislation whatsoever um, and that the tide is turning and the science is on our side. And I do believe that eventually, um, you know, the people of New Jersey, you know, will do Well, we know they already support regulations, but um, I think it will become easier and easier for um, the legislature to take up measures that do protect babies in the womb and their mothers. Well, Marie, thank you so much for joining us and helping us make sense of the state's abortion politics. And we'll be hoping the elections help bring some protections to the unborn there. So thank you so much. Uh, Good night, welcome. Marie. And please pray for us here in New Jersey. We need a lot of prayer. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So much. Okay. God bless you. Thank Good you for the Good opportunity. Night. Bye now. Good night. Early voting in New Jersey ends Sunday at 6 p.m. Vote by mail ballots must be postmarked by Election Day and received by the County Board of Elections before the end of the day on November 13th. For in-person voting on Election Day, the polls will be open from 6 a.m. until 8 p.m. As we sign off, please stay tuned for a special message from Priests for Life National Director Frank Pavone on why every year is an important election year. 
And thank you so much for joining us on this special election 2023 edition of Pro-Life Primetime News, produced at Priest for Life headquarters in Titusville, Florida. If you like our show, please support us by making a donation to ProLifeGift.org. These donations help fund all of our work here at Priests for Life, which enables us to continue educating, equipping, and activating God's people to end abortion. For all your pro-life news updates during the week, please follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Pro-Life News Show. I'm Teresa Watson, Executive Manager. I'm Leslie Palma, Communications Director. Please get out and vote, and remember, life is the only choice. Well, friends, I've been speaking a lot about how these so-called off-year elections are critically important. First of all, because of the positions of responsibility that we're electing people to, and secondly, because when you activate people for an election in 2023, then it's more likely that they're going to be active in 2024. Every year is an election year. It's as simple as that. You can go to sources like Ballotpedia and look up 2023 elections and see that not only are there certain important statewide elections that could increase the numbers of trifectas that the Republicans have, you know, where they control the governor's mansion, the, the House and the Senate of the, of the state legislature. For example, we can flip things in Louisiana, Kentucky, and Virginia this year, three more trifectas. But also, let me use one simple example from Pennsylvania, Allegheny County. The county executive race is neck and neck. And even though it's a blue county, the Republican is even with, with, with his opponent. And the county executive has a lot of authority over elections. And Pennsylvania is a key state for the 2024 election. So the, everything matters. And there are many, not only statewide races uh, in 2023, there are all kinds of races on, this, on the county and city level, city council races, mayoral races. Pay attention to what elections are happening in your area. Not only vote in those elections, but brothers and sisters, activate your fellow citizens to vote. Maybe, maybe somebody hasn't voted in years or they never vote in the quote off-year elections. Remind them the off-year elections are critically important and if they get out and vote now, they'll be all the more ready to do the same next year. May God bless our country every election year. May all of us as citizens participate all the time. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.